Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Study the Word of God just for a moment. Romans chapter 14. Hallelujah. Thank you, Doc. Praise God. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Familiar portion of Scripture. For the kingdom of God, we just read about the kingdom of God, is not in meat and drink, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let me read it one more time. For the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but in righteousness and peace and joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Say it again. Say it again. And joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, if you study the chapter, do a little bit of historical study. Back in that day, in many of the modern, what were modern cities of that day, there were temples. They weren't godly temples. They were ungodly temples. Many of the areas in that area of, of, of from, from Italy uh, on into the Mediterranean, around the Mediterranean, into the Middle East, many of them had temples to the goddess Diana. We know that from what we study in the book of Ephesus, uh, book of Ephesians, a uh, letter written to the church at Ephesus. Now, that particular quote, goddess, very wicked, uh, very demonic. Uh, People participated in the worship of her. They carried around little silver statues, little emblems, uh, denoting that they were followers of Diana. Now, what went on many times in those temples were animal sacrifices. Animal sacrifices would take place. Now, those animal sacrifices would happen. Uh, Many times it would be a a, a steer, a, a cow, some type of beef, some type of animal that would produce meat. And they would cut his uh, throat open. They'd let his blood run out. They'd do all kinds of hideous things with the blood, even drinking the blood, which is not uh, right, amen, which God forbids. And then they would take the meat and they would cut it up and they would sell it. Now, people would buy it thinking that it was some type, for lack of a better explanation, they would think that eating that meat would bring some type of blessing. It was some type of, quote, uh, good luck charm. It was some type of thing that would uh, keep the curse off of your life. So when people begin to get saved, and they begin to get separated from that type of worship, there begin to arise a question, because many times that was the only place to get meat. Amen. So there arose the question of, well, should we eat that meat or not? Uh, Is it right for us to eat that meat? Now, the Apostle Paul actually told us, listen, it really doesn't matter. If you do not participate in that wicked thing, there's nothing wrong in the meat of itself. Amen. The meat of itself, there's nothing wrong. What they do with it, the things they pronounce over it, there are things wrong with that. But don't let it be a stumbling block. So a lot of people that were in the body of Christ or in the church at the time were using, quote, that meat to develop a law. Thou shalt not eat the meat. Everybody say, thou shalt not eat the meat. So they were taking what God calls grace away from the church and imparting a law into the church. Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 14. His conclusion is this. The kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. He's saying your dues, your eating of the meat, or your not eating of the meat is not going to establish the kingdom of God in your life. If you come up with a bunch of do's and a bunch of don'ts, you will always not do the do's and and do the don'ts. Amen. So he was trying to keep the church from going back into, quote, legalism. So when he makes the statement 
that the kingdom of God is not in meat or drink. We can paraphrase it and actually say it like this. The kingdom of God or the way God does things or the way God manifests himself is not based or it does not have its basis in the do's and don'ts. Now, the Pentecostal nation fell arrived this many years ago. God began to move and they began to basically institute laws, mainly over their women. They would say things like women cannot wear makeup. They cannot cut their hair. Uh, Oh, if you put on a pair of uh, shorts and went to the beach and put on a bathing suit, you were bound to go to hell. Amen. Uh, they, they, they didn't watch TV. They didn't do, there were a whole lot of rules and regulation, and it was called legalism to this day. There is a large denomination called the UPC, United Pentecostal Church. And they also adhere to all of those rules, all of those regulations. You'll see those ladies sometimes, and, and they'll have those big buns on their head. We call that bondage. They're still in bondage. Hey, ladies, you can go get your hair cut. You're not going to go to hell. Amen. You can put a little makeup on your face, a little paint help any old barn, amen. You can fix yourself up, make yourself presentable. Glory to God. I, 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 that, that's not my saying. I was taught that stuff, so you'd have to deal with my teachers. Glory to God. But what the church has done is they've created legalism. Now, we take that a step further many times personally, creating for ourselves laws in which when we obey those laws, now I'm talking about self-inflicted laws. When we obey those laws, we feel good about ourselves. Let me say that again. When we obey those laws, uh, many times we use the word discipline. There's nothing wrong uh, with discipline. I try my best to be very disciplined in my prayer life, very disciplined in my study, very disciplined in the things that God tells me to do. But listen, if you're very disciplined, don't let your strength become your weakness. Don't let your strength become your weakness because the moment your discipline gets interrupted or broken, you can immediately go into condemnation. Oh, I pray every day at 3 o'clock, but the past two weeks I've not been able to pray. Oh, me, I'm backslid. Oh, me. See, it's all about me. It's all about I. It's all about me. I didn't get to do this. I was supposed to read this chapter. I was supposed to do this. I was supposed to do that. And all of a sudden, you create for yourself legalism or a law unto yourself. When you do, it's all about you. And you've got to understand any law you create for yourself, you will never be able to adhere to. And you will be miserable and you will be bait for the devil when you try to enforce those laws against yourself. I remember when I first... Uh, went into ministry. Actually, it was probably about the first year Lee and I were married. And there was a lot of teaching going around about prayer. People were praying in churches and, and all types of, uh, of, uh, of prayer meetings were going on. And I prayed. I pray, pray. Back then, I used to pray hours a day. I still do. I pray. I'm a man of prayer. But they taught that, you know, David said, early will I seek thee. Well, I went and studied that later. It actually meant early in a situation. That means don't wait till the situation is gone awry. But they meant 4.30 in the morning. 4.30 in the morning. Now, I'm really not an early riser. But I'm amazed at my ability to get myself up out of bed on a windy, wet, cold winter morning and go out and sit in a rice field and hunt ducks. To get up early on a a summer day, uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, and go down and get my boat, hook it up, go fishing. Get up early uh, whenever we travel to Hawaii or other places. We get up early and go on a dawn patrol. Catch the sunrise and go surfing. But getting up early to pray, I just struggled with it. But I didn't want to be condemned. I didn't want to be somebody that went against the grain. I didn't want to be. I wanted to obey the law. 
And the law said, 4.30 in the morning, pray, pray. That's the time when you pray. That is, quote, the hour of prayer. And if you miss your hour of prayer, so I did. I got up the first morning. I'll never forget the first morning I got up. We lived in a little house over in Lamarck. I got up. I was real quiet. I closed the door. My wife was in there asleep, and I went in. I walked around for a few minutes praying in the Holy Ghost. You know how you're kind of sleepy, half awake, half asleep, kind of in the twilight zone. And I thought, man, that couch looks comfortable. I'll sit here a moment. And so I sat there a moment. Worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And then I thought, well, maybe it'd be better if I just kind of stretch out a little bit. <laughs> Next thing I know, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and Leah's shaking me. Get up, get up. It's time to get up. And I'm like, oh, I've broken the law. And so all day long, didn't have a good day. It's beat up, condemned, condemning myself, telling the devil, come on, just beat the tar out of me. I failed. I'm a sinner. I'm backslid. I'm no good. I'm this. I'm that. And so I begin to further investigate. I needed, my problem was, I have not yet crucified my flesh. My problem was my flesh. My flesh was my problem when it came to obeying my law. So I had to crucify it. So I read after one particular minister. He said what he did is he went and got into the bathtub. He found the most uncomfortable place in his house. And so he went and got into the bathtub. And in the bathtub, he was able to crucify his flesh. And from then on, he was a mighty man of prayer, praying every morning at 4.30 in the morning. So the next morning, I got up and went into the bathroom and got into the bathtub. And I laid in the bathtub. And I prayed for about 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, I woke up. And Leah's shaking me again, saying, it's 8 o'clock. It's time to get up. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, I failed again. I've broken the law. I'm not praying at 4.30 in the morning. I have no discipline. Amen. So the next morning, I figured I've got it licked. I can do this. I turned myself around, put my head. You know where the little thing is that you pull up and that causes the drain to be stopped up? That's the most. I put, literally put my head on. I thought there is no way that any person can go to sleep with their head on that. There is a way. I fell asleep again. So in the pity party that I had that day, I was praying about 10 o'clock. Oh, forgive me. Oh. You know what the Lord, he said these two words that revolutionized. They revolutionized my life. Two words he said to me. You know what he said? Shut up. He said, I never told you to pray at 4.30 in the morning. He said, I told some preacher, and he's been telling everybody else what I told him. Amen. He said, but I didn't tell you. He said, find a time in which you are the most comfortable to pray. And I found that the afternoons, the wonderful, I, I did not realize that for years I would be in hotel rooms. For years in the afternoon, I would be praying and interceding. For years, I would be holding meetings all over the world. And those afternoon times were the time in which I developed a very disciplined prayer life. But it didn't happen at 4.30 in the morning because it was a law. It was meat and drink. It wasn't what God told me to do. It was self-inflicted. And when it was self-imposed uh, self and self-inflicted, uh, it didn't work. You say, why? Its basis was self. Its basis was self. Now, Jesus, uh, I mean, the Holy Ghost tells us this. The kingdom of God, the way God does things, is not in the do's and don'ts. But here's how it works. 
it works in righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. righteousness. That's right standing with God. And notice the conjunction, peace. Everybody say peace. And joy. Everybody say joy. In the Holy Ghost. So it begins with righteousness. Understanding there's no law you can adhere to that will give you right standing with God. Let me try that again. You say why? Well, for us here at Island Church, it really doesn't mean much. But if you're coming out of a Catholic background. If you're coming out of other backgrounds where you have to, quote, pray to saints, pray to Mary, uh, uh, do a rosary, be, uh, have your first baptism, all these different, quote, religious laws. Are you with me? Amen. And you think, well, I haven't done this, and I haven't done that, and I'm supposed to do this, and I'm supposed to do that, and I'm supposed to do, you know. I mean, if we went to many churches today, especially if they were having communion, they wouldn't let us take communion. They would not allow you to take communion. You say, why not? You have not obeyed their law. Amen? And because you have not obeyed their law, then you can't participate in their doctrine. See, that's where we have liberty around here. I said, that's where we have liberty around here. Because the Bible says all you have to be is what? Born again. Being born again puts you into the kingdom of God. And when you get born again, you are righteous. You have the right standing with God, not based on any adherence to a law, but based on adherence to what your Savior, Savior Jesus Christ, has done for you. So righteousness, you get a handle on righteousness, you'll have peace. You'll have peace. You say, what is peace? Peace is that overwhelming, calm, delight. Now we know it gets its basis, or the basis of the root of the word peace is the word shalom. That's out of the Hebrew. But in the Greek, it's amplified. It's a completeness. It's a wholeness. It's, an it's the entire, actually if you study the complete meaning of it, it literally means the entire assembly of all things put back together the way they were before man fell in the garden. Listen, before man sinned in the garden, he had peace. Let me try that again. Before man sinned in the garden, he had peace. In creation, God gave man an outward garden to partake of. Through redemption, God has given us an inward garden. But we should have the same peace. You say, well, pastor, aren't you worried about the money that we need uh, to, to, to build this new building, to buy that land? No, I've got it on the inside. I said, I've got it on. Let me say it like this. We as a church, we've got it on the inside. Amen. Aren't you worried about some uh, bird flu that may come from China? No, I've got healing on the inside. Amen. Aren't you worried about what might happen with the price of gasoline or bread? No, I've got prosperity on the inside. I've got what? Righteousness, peace. And because I am righteous and because I have peace, then what I am, my presentation to the world is Joy in the Holy Ghost. You say, what do you mean by that? When people see us, they should not see religion. They should not see law or legalism. They should not see tradition. Come on, church. They should not see a bunch of do's and don'ts. They should not see a bunch of stuff that at the end of the day doesn't amount to a hill of beans. What they should see is people with great big old smiles on their face. Everybody smile. Some of you look at me like. You can always tell what's on the inside of people by what's on their face. That's why God told Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. Amen. 
Because I want you to know we are righteousness, a revelation. Peace, a manifestation. Joy in the Holy Ghost, God's presentation. You watch. You come to that tent revival on Saturday, and you look at all the fun people are going to be having. They're going to be eating hamburgers. They're going to be eating hot dogs. They're going to be looking at all those prizes, thinking, I might win this. I might win that. I might win that. They're going to hear that beautiful music. They're going to hear that powerful message. A lot of them will go raise their hands and give their heart to Jesus, and I guarantee you, around that whole thing is going to be an atmosphere of joy in the Holy Ghost. It's not going to be religious. It's not going to be traditional. It's just like here in our services. There is an atmosphere of what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. It's God's presentation. The majority of the people that drive by this place every Sunday and look at the crowds and look at the cars and wonder what's going on in here have no idea what's going on in here. If they were to come and experience, they'd be shocked. Because the only idea they have of church is some religious experience they were involved in, either when they were a kid or a young person or with grandma or grandpa. But that is not what's going on here. Here we have life flowing. Here we have joy flowing. Here we're enjoying our righteousness. Here we have peace. Come on, church. And because of that, when people walk in here, they are shocked, just like you were. The first time you walked into a church like this or the first time you walked into this church and you thought, I had no idea. I had no idea. I thought they were in there just, you know, <laughs> Like one guy said, wearing a tall hat, uh, waving a feather, uh, ringing a bell, lighting a candle. No, that's not what we're doing. I said, that's not what we're doing. No, we're seeking him. We're seeking after the kingdom. We're entering in and learning more and more about our right standing with God. We're enjoying the peace that passes understanding, which means when you have no reason to be at peace, you're at peace. And then we're enjoying what? Us being God's presentation. Joy in the Holy Ghost. I guarantee you, you get around a bunch of believers having a good time, and it'll get off on you. It's infectious. It'll change your life. I remember one time, I think Gabe was with us and Alan, and uh, I think Drew might have been with us. We're all down in Nicaragua. We'd done a great meeting down there. And then we went to the beach and we're surfing. And we had a guy that was the captain of a boat. And, and he was taking us all around these different surf spots and stuff like that. And actually, I don't know what had happened. We were unable to communicate or minister to him for some reason. Something was going on. We were busy with what we were doing or something. But it got to be the last day. And I instructed uh, a guy that was with us that spoke Spanish. I said, by the way, we need to, to witness to this boat captain. Remember that? So we need to witness to this boat captain. We're all standing out behind this, this place where we were staying. And so I'm speaking to this guy and he's speaking to this guy in Spanish. So we're talking to him. And as we're talking in my peripheral vision, I see the weeds kind of rustling. I see some movement in the brush. Well, I didn't think anything about it. But we're talking to this guy. Jesus loves you. And Jesus cares about you. Big old tears are coming up in his face. And he's beginning to roll down his cheeks. And he's, he, he's beginning to, he's beginning to uh, respond to what we're telling him. And finally we tell him, you know, you can get right with God. Just pray with us. Just pray with us right now. And he responded. He put out his hat. Remember, he took off his hat. And he stepped forward to begin to pray. And when he did, here stepped this man out of the bush. Here stepped all these people out of this brush. Here they came and began to stand around us. They all got their hands up and they're praising God. From the time we got there until we prayed that prayer, 
God had spoken to them that there would be some people that would come and help this man who was the praise and worship leader of the church who had got disappointed and discouraged and gotten away from God. God had spoke to them that God would send some people that they would come and help him to get right with God. Told him when it would happen. Told him where it would happen. They were there to witness this. And when we prayed with him, they all stepped out. We all rejoiced. And you talk about joy in the Holy Ghost. His wife was hugging him. His pastor was hugging him. Everybody was rejoicing. They're telling us a story, and we're standing there going, unreal, this is unbelievable. God is so good to allow us to be involved in an event like this. Thank God for all those that got saved in the crusade, all those that got saved in the ministry. But that one man coming back to God in such a manner, you say, why? Because the whole week we were just rejoicing in God having a good time in the Holy Ghost, whether we were eating at the restaurant, jumping off the boat, going surfing, riding around, having a good time. He saw that it would be good to be back to God. So the question we need to ask, if the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, do people want what you have? When people see you at school, when people see you at your job, out in the neighborhood, do they look at you and think, hmm, what is it? What is it? What is it that those people have? Why do they have, why is their countenance? Why is their smile different? Why do they seem to have peace? Why do they seem to be assured of things that we only question? There's people today that have gone to church all their life. And if you ask them if, they go to, if they're going to go to heaven when they die, they're like, I don't know. I hope so. I've been going to church. I've been trying to be a good person. They have no understanding of righteousness. And then all it takes is a little turmoil. And I want you to know, folks, there's a whole lot more than a little turmoil going on in the world today. There's a lot, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And what God's going to do is continually raise up His church in righteousness so that when the economy fails, the church will be at peace. So when there's all kinds of uh, epidemics and, and flus and viruses and they don't know what to do about it all and they want you to take the shot for it that's worse than the disease, we can say, no, that's okay. We've got peace. We've got healing. Amen. And then, and then in the midst of all of that, people will look at us and see that, you know, how can those people, in the midst of all that's wrong with the world, how can they be having a good time? And we can turn them right to Jesus and say, here he is. He's our righteousness. He's our peace. He's our joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and thank God for his goodness tonight. Father, we bless your name. Thank you for your word this evening. Thank you that you've given us right standing with yourself through what Jesus has done for us upon the cross. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for peace. Oh, the shalom of God. Jehovah Shalom, our peace, our completeness, our fullness, our wholeness, our all in all. Father, you do all things well. You're the God that does exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. And we thank you, Father, that you are also our joy in the Holy Ghost. That as we leave tonight, we are your presentation. If we go to a restaurant, if we go to the store, on our jobs tomorrow, in our classes at school. People see something on us, not of this earth, not of this origin, something divine, something from heaven. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, 
You know, in the prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 3, he said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like what he says. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Amen. You ever read that? And who the whole what? Family in heaven and earth. God has one family. There's the family in heaven. There's the family in earth. How do you think they're acting in heaven? You think anybody's having a good time? Think there's any smiles in heaven? Think there's any peace in heaven? Think anybody's worried about the bird flu? Amen. Or think anybody's worried about North Korea? Think anybody worried about the economy? Worried about the Democrats? Worried about the Republicans? They're at peace. What about righteousness? They're standing right there in the presence of Almighty God. Every day they see their Savior. So what makes you think that God wants to give anything less to His family on earth than He's given to His family in heaven? He wants the same righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost that's in heaven itself, in the family, in the Father's family. And He wants that in the Father's family on the earth of who the whole family in heaven What did Jesus say for us to pray? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The difference between us and the family that's in heaven is it's a little more work for us. We've got a system that's against us. We've got an adversary called the devil. But I've got good news. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Stand on your feet tonight. Father, we bless your name. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.